Welcome to the Soul Liberated Life Podcast, where you come to activate the remembrance of who you are, unlock the gifts you're here to offer, and unleash the co-creative experience you're here to love through. I'm your host, Jody Rodenbaugh, sharing deep wisdom and life intelligence through my life and death experiences, and through my gifts in liberating and expanding powerful soul-led leaders and your lineage. Every episode holds timeless wisdom and potent messages to call your soul back home and into her wildest dreams and deepest desires. Just strap on your headphones, breathe into your heart, expand your mind. Let's go. Hey, hey, love. Today is part two of Ferocity, my 8-8-2022 transmission And if you haven't listened to part one, go back to the previous episode and begin the journey there or things just won't make as much sense as you'd love them to. (laughs) And if you'd like to go on and activate these ferocity codes inside of you, you want to join us for part three because in part three, we activate these codes so that you can claim the highest version of your destiny today. We have it all linked for you in the show notes. I told you guys that there are actually seven steps to the process of ascension, to the process of awakening, to the process of evolution. It's all the same, okay? No matter what we call it. So back in 2016, my main mastermind was called Empower. And... Then it moved into evolution vibes, and now it is ascension vibes. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm teaching a whole lot of different things because the main thing of the main thing has always been the main thing. (laughs) But as my frequency grows and as my energy grows and as my awareness grows, the vibration of these containers also changes. And so now it being the evolution, like this is, and all of them have been a place to create the miracle mind. I talk about the difference between the pain brain and the miracle mind and how most people are operating from the pain brain and the pain brain then causes survival bodies. And when we're in survival body and in pain brain, We can't make wise decisions. We make decisions based in a disconnection of love, based in a disconnection of soul, based in a disconnection between soul and source. That's not the way we make decisions in my world. (laughs) We make decisions from a miracle mind that causes a vital body. Causes a vital body. Like no matter where you are in the spiritual journey, and this is what I see in the spiritual world that makes me want to throw up, is they've lost track that they're still in human form. They've lost track sometimes that they are still in body, that we are still here on this physical realm in this physical body. And they think that they are, there's this like pendulum swing of superiority where they think they are better than other people because they are good little girls and boys who do the right thing, the most pure thing. 
And actually that's ego that's talking there. It is a, a bit of a, a mind fuck, really. <laughs> so today what I've decided not to do is to go through each one of these, the rest of these six steps. I have the doors open. I've got two huge French doors here. Well, they're not French. They're French swinging. <laughs> they're French swinging, but they are full. There's no glass in them. I guess they're still called a French door because they're French swinging. Regardless, <laughs> the doors are open and sometimes it gets a little loud. So if it gets distracting, I will close the doors, but it's such a freaking beautiful day outside. I wanted to feel the breeze, even if that means maybe birds enter the room or flies enter the room or whatever. So I'm not going to go through and teach to each of these steps. Okay. What I'm going to do is go deep into the next step. I'm going to go deep into that step because this step is where most people stop. This step is where most people forget their ferocity. This step is where most people are not actually going in the direction of truth, but instead plugged into this. It's really a jacked up system of manipulation. It causes us to feel like we're in our own prison. And you are, if you plug into that. There are two things that you must be able to do in order to walk down the path of ascension, in order to answer the call, and in order to allow the call. And that involves sacred rage, which then creates movement and opens up these pathways from your brain into your body, into the potentiality field, all that ever was and ever will be, all of these opportunities, all of these possibilities, all of these, the, the potency that causes you to dream bigger. Now, being able to dream means that you have in some way, shape or form calmed your central nervous system. You have moved yourself away from that pain brain and moved yourself out of that survival body and into a miracle mind and a vital body so that you can now open up these new neural pathways to dream. That's only one side of the coin. The other side is allowing yourself to step into and embody this, this new dream, this new miracle that's coming through you. And the way to do that is through your own magical being that is you. It is God, but it is you. It is your invisible realm, but it is you. It is the spiritual, but it's also the material, which is you. So when people say, you know, God did this, God is doing all, God is doing all of the great things. Everything that ever was and ever will be is already here. It is our job to open ourselves up to receive the holy yes. 
and then to act on the holy yes. God doesn't have legs. It, it doesn't move. It's already moving <laughs> downstream. When you're being called, your soul is already there. She's calling you into more lights. She's already there. It is your body that has to catch up to her. And that requires you to move your legs. That requires you to fall, move your feet. That requires you to go one step in that direction of truth. Remember, truth is purity. It's divine. If it doesn't set you free, it isn't truth. You can find proof of that. You can find proof of anything. But that just makes something true. That just makes something opinion that we can actually tangibly see. It doesn't make it truth. All right. Now they're weed eating. Those of you who are here. So now we're going to move into the next step. And the next step is the uncover. Now, when I talk about each of these steps, you guys, this is like a video game. You know that you got through one of the levels, one of the steps, if you get to the next thing, the next step in the process, the next step in the process. So in the uncover phase, what happens is this. You get a flash of insight. You get a desire in your heart. You see something that you want. You have an epiphany. You bounce yourself off of the bottom of the ocean, your rock bottom. You pick yourself up and you decide that there is still life inside of you. That's one of the key codes that I learned after my husband died. There is life still inside of me. This is not where my story ends. This is where my story begins. I didn't create another chapter in my book. I created a whole freaking story. A whole evolution of my story. It is a series. It's not just a chapter. So what happens is this. The witness protection program, they talk to you about the witness protection program and the witness protection program comes in to self preserve you in your little box to hold you back in this little box. It is thinking that it's protecting you, your subconscious programming, your unconscious program that was passed down to you. So how I look at subconscious and unconscious is this subconscious is what you what has been created, what you have witnessed in your own life and unconscious is what has been passed down to you epigenetically and still is vibrating in your cellular cellular DNA. Both we get through both of those in the same way. We just go deeper and deeper into these layers. So someone said that they've got a lot of work still to do. 
We all do. <laughs> we all do. But maybe what she meant by that she was as far along as she thought she was in the evolutionary process. And here's the thing. What happens with the witness protection program, the witness protection program, by the way, just so you know, is not somewhere that we want to stay. We want to gather the witness protection program when we are most vulnerable, when the shit has hit the fan, when the rug has been pulled out from under us, when we are going through a spiritual smackdown and we're in a temporary holding pattern, we, we, we gather the witness protection program because we're in a very human vulnerable state. Our brains can't function when we were sideswiped out of our world that we once knew it. This is why it was so easy to manipulate the minds, bodies, and souls of so many people since 2020. Because these so-called powers that be know how this works, this whole entire process. So when we are not actually in danger, when we are not actually vulnerable, we have overstayed our welcome and we've allowed ourselves to be powerless for too long. Now we aren't following truth. We are stuck in a holding pattern. I call this the widow in waiting. The widow in waiting was Technically speaking, the whole concept around widow and waiting is because in one particular religion construct, women who were widowed were required to wear black, not experience life for a particular set time. Man-made time. Nobody gets to choose how long I grieve. Nobody gets to choose what I wear. Nobody gets to choose what, how long I stay in my own holding pattern. That is my responsibility. So we don't want to be the widow in waiting. Holding ourselves hostage. Not experiencing life. The critical time of when we should be most expansive and tapping into the frequency of where our late husband is, which is not in the material. It has nothing to do with time. There is no time on the other side. So the witness protection program comes in and then we accidentally overstay our welcome in the protective paradigm. And now we're in this holding pattern. Now we're frozen in time. And this is where you have to be most diligent at calling your own shit out, at recognizing how you are your own manipulator, how you are your own abandoner, 
how you are your own rejecter, how you are your own betrayer. We have to, do you remember Scooby-Doo? I said this to a client the other day. You remember Scooby-Doo and um, <laughs> they would always have like the mask on and then they would catch the bad guy, the villain, and they'd pull the mask off and it would be just like this regular Joe Schmo. That's what it's like. You are undercover and you've been undercover most likely for a really freaking long time. So when you begin to uncover yourself, it will be like seeing yourself for the very first time. Because you've been undercover. And here is the thing that I want to express most to you in this ferocity. Because there's a really big complex that our society has bought into that causes us to stay in this holding pattern, this witness protect protection program, the widow in waiting, whatever you call it, it's all fucking the same. It is an inner prison frozen somewhere in time in survival body in pain brain because you're not following the soul guidance. You're not moving in the direction of truth. Truth causes movement forward. Truth does not do this. There is no moving backwards with truth. It is a forward momentum. Sometimes it will feel like you're moving backward as I would teach you through the rest of the six steps. Sometimes it feels like that if you don't know this process. But this process is easy. And by the way, go to Instagram, follow me on Instagram, the steps to growth, how you get out of grief, how you go into growth. It's all a part of this mystic journey. It's all a part of this mystic path of ascension. It doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where you are. What matters is that you understand the process. You allow yourself to dream and then you allow yourself to move your ass toward that dream. That's what matters. But here's the complex. Here's the thing that causes us to stop most, especially very prominent in our society right now. And that is the underdog complex. The underdog complex. So as you are uncovering yourself, as you are recognizing the manipulator in you, you will come to this point where you will realize that you, some part of you, has been really comfortable with being an underdog, with being a victim, 
with being a victim to circumstances, with being a victim to money, with being a victim to men, with being a victim to the world, with being a victim to the government, with being a victim to these things that happened to you in childhood. I'm not saying that the things that have occurred in our lives or that we were victim to are not real life things. What I'm saying is that when we overstay our welcome there, we've overstayed our welcome there. And now we become part of our identity as the underdog and we're damn proud of it. Now I'm not gonna go too much into politics here. And I will tell you straight up, I didn't vote. I didn't vote because I'm not going to be plugged into that system anymore. That system is freaking a shit show. But I can tell you there's one side of the fence that in this underdog complex, I can lean toward more. Because the one side of the fence holds a lot of power. The other side of the fence does not. It holds weakness as something that we should put on a pedestal. Traditionally, our society has viewed power as being the bad guy. Power. Powerful women as being a bitch. Powerful women have been killed, have been strangled, have been hung, have been burned at the stake in our history because they hold power. And traditionally speaking, our society has been afraid of power. Power has been threatening to people. And guess what it's threatening? It's threatening your weakness. It's threatening the underdog in you. So I wanna give you a couple of examples because I really don't wanna go into the politics of things, but I can tell you that that is what the whole freaking election was about. And now we have one thing after the other that's pointing in the direction, trying to prove that people's weaknesses, that their disadvantages are something that we should give rights to just because of the disadvantage. So I've wrote some questions down to go through later on, but I wanna go through a couple of scenarios that I came up with before I came into this. that kind of tell you where some of this underdog stuff comes from because there's a shadow to the underdog. And, and what I also want to preface, preface here is that there is absolutely nothing wrong with being an underdog. There is absolutely nothing wrong with having weaknesses and disadvantages. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but I hope that I've made it clear that it is some place that we visit for a period of time and then we get the hell out of that hood. And I realize this in being a widow. The widow status was not some place that I wanted to stay and put up camp. 
It was a process that I had to move through. And when I began to see that I had overstayed my welcome, I'm going to share with you some of these things. So here, here's the first, first shadowy piece of, of one of the ways that we bring this underdog in. So if you have siblings or if you have children of your own, you will know that there's sort of an incentive to being the underdog. The underdog provides us with getting attention. The petting, the, oh, I feel sorry for you. It is our human tendency to care for people. It is our human tendency to care for the disadvantaged. I'm not saying that that's not okay. I'm going to repeat this a couple of times because we need to hear it a couple of times. I'm not saying that that's not okay. I'm saying that we don't hold them there. We don't continue to coddle and pet them in their weaknesses. We speak in to their strengths and we move them in the direction of truth, which sets them free. So when you were a kid and when children are kids, they, they do these things. They're fighting with their siblings, right? And what do parents typically do? They jump to the attention of the underdog, the little one, the quieter one, the one that finally got pissed off because they were poked and prodded and taken advantage of by the seemingly weaker sibling, they blew a gasket. And now the parents come in and the little one, the one, the, the poking the bear one <laughs> is sitting there. <laughs> and the one who was like, enough is enough. They were antagonizing me. They were poking me. Sacred rage. Enough is enough. Stop manipulating. What happens? The little one behind, <laughs> behind the parent's back is kind of like all proud. Like, huh. Mom took my side, mom took my side. She loves me more, she loves me better. I got the attention, you got in trouble. <laughs> it's so funny, but this is the thing. This is part of the thing. We have a tendency to run to the rescue. Even if I remember and especially those of us who have an open heart center. I have an open heart center in human design. Especially those of us who have this open heart center, we feel, we feel deeply. We feel for the underdog. But when we don't recognize this in ourselves, we accidentally become the identity of the underdog and we don't wanna take off the underdog cape. We don't want to take off the underdog mask because we get a high. If 
from getting the attention. If you look back on my posts and things, I got way more attention when I, when I was in my widow world. Way more attention. I get way more attention when I say something that's very vulnerable. I'm an open book. I don't, I don't hide who I am at all anymore. When I speak into something, you will see and, and notice yourself. You will have a tendency to like, unless you are down the path in the whole mystic journey and you have seen yourself as the manipulator of yourself, you will start to notice. You will find yourself giving hearts and giving little cares to people who seem like underdog energy. And people that seem like they are owning their power. You will just skip on by because why? Because they don't need you. People in power don't need you. And if I'm not needed, because that's the old paradigm of love. The old paradigm is, of love is they need me. I need them. This is codependency, people. This is not love. We skip on by, oh, they don't, they don't need me. Because what happens? If somebody needs us, it strokes our ego. It makes us feel better. I listen to my own shit. <laughs> I will replay my own shit and cry like a baby and feel all the feels and be like, yeah, girl. Because <laughs> I need to hear it. I am human. Living in this human body that has long history of survival running through her cellular DNA. And I am the one, I have chosen to be the one in my whole ancestral lineage to break this pattern and move in the direction of truth, which separates me from being an underdog. There's a whole different energy behind it. There, the energy behind the underdog has a, this hint of manipulation. There's these tactics at play behind the scenes, behind the curtains that are manipulating our humanness of caring about others. I almost said care, carrying, and that's a part of it too. It strokes our ego if we can carry other people. If we can help, help them out of a hole. But when you get to this point of the mystic journey, it's not about that. It's not about that. Even Brene Brown says, get down in the hole with somebody. To an extent, I can energetically tap in to you in the hole. Just like I talked to you about the show that I was watching, The Maid. I could get down into her hole and empathize with her energetically, but I'm not climbing in that hole just so I can feel better about myself. And that's what a lot of people do. So... 
the second one, the second shadow that you want to look for. There's this running record in society that everybody should be on equal footing. Everybody should start the race at the same starting point. <laughs> it makes me laugh because that's like playing God. Do you guys realize that? That's not fairness. That has nothing to do with fairness. That is trying to keep the underdog alive and kicking. That is trying to keep manipulation and taking over our minds and our bodies and our souls alive. That has nothing to do with love. Nothing to do with love. If we took all the money in the world and passed it out equally to every single human, guess what will happen? The money will circulate back in the hands of the people whose hands that money was in originally. Why? Because they get it. They're on a different point in the journey. I'm not saying that there's not money in the hands of freaking criminals, like obviously, but they get the process. They get that they have to believe that they are the creator. There's not a part of them that believes that they are the underdog, but they know how to manipulate that system. So when we feel like people have to be on equal footing, what happens is the people that aren't where they need to be to start the race in all fairness, everybody start at the same point. <laughs> there are some of us souls who have been in many lifetimes. We've been through some shit and we made it out so that we could speak it out. We're here to transmute. We have a transmission to speak into. We can't play the underdog and that at the same time. We just can't. I also to told you that I didn't become a teacher to teach math and science. I became a teacher because I see people I see the greatness in people and not on my watch will I allow somebody to stay over, overstay their welcome in underdog. Now, part of the reason why I left, I, the last four years of my education career, I was a, a STEM instructional coach. So I coached um, like 120 teachers, math and science teachers in grades K through, well, through 12. 12th grade. Now, I got out of the classroom because I realized there was more leadership potential in me. And even though the numbers would have been less over my career, meaning less that I, that I directly spoke to, that I directly impacted, right? 
like 120 compared to over a period of years, 30 kids in a classroom, you know, you're running and gunning there. The teachers generally stayed. Okay, so it would have been the hundred same same people. But that was rippling. I started to speak to leaders and what I had to transmit to them created a ripple of impact that trickled out. Whereas in my own little classroom, I had these 30 kids, there wasn't much I could do to be that ripple of impact other than this child right here. And yes, this child right here matters. And yes, my voice and my transmission to them mattered, but I couldn't stay there when I was being called to something else. So now, where I am now in leadership, I coach leaders. I'm not here working with people that believe that they are, like believe in their heart of hearts that they are an underdog. They're, they're not gonna be attracted to me whatsoever, whatsoever. In fact, they'd probably run for me because I'm some scary shit. <laughs> I'm some scary shit. Why? Because I'm leading them to truth. And truth means that they've got to take off their cover. They got to stop being undercover and underdog. So one thing I noticed when I was in the widowhood is there was this whole energy they even had a phrase that they would say, well, just pull the widow card. Now, initially, I needed help. I could barely make my own toast, let alone take care of my two children and keep my body in, in vitality as I was growing my baby inside of me. But over a period of time, there comes a point where pulling a widow card is manipulation. And I saw it. Salespeople, this and that would come up and I would hear, oh, just tell them, you know, pull the widow card. Tell them you're widowed. Sometimes even I think if I share that story, even though I know that this is part of my transmission, sometimes I think if I share that story, am I being the underdog? No, it all depends on how it is presented. What is the energy behind what I'm saying? Am I doing it so that people feel sorry for me? No, absolutely not. In fact, do not ever feel sorry for me. <laughs> that does not do anybody any good. Pulling the widow card is not an option after a period of time because then it moves into manipulation. And what happens when we move into manipulation, what happens when we continue to pull the card of the underdog is we begin to feel ashamed. Our souls feel the shame. Shame is vibrating in our cellular DNA because we are embarrassed. We are embarrassed of our own bullshit. 
The uncovery process is about recognizing the lies that you tell yourself, the bullshit lies that you tell yourself without running away from them, but calling them up, calling them out and calling them up inside of you. So then another example that I have for you is sales. Those of you who are in some sort of sales, you will recognize this. This is the old paradigm of sales. The old paradigm of sales is this, I know better than you, especially when we're talking about service sales, like coaching, things of that nature, you know, I know better than you, doctors, um, lawyer, even lawyer, you know, doctors, lawyers, these, these leadership roles where they may know more about some topics than you, but they don't necessarily know what's better for you than you. Okay. So in this old paradigm of sales, it's literally setting people up for codependent patterns pointing at pain points, pointing at why I'm better, why you need me. If you are in some sort of sales that involves selling something that comes from you and you are continuing to ask coaches what you should say to get them to buy, you are stuck in a holding pattern and no one else to blame but yourself because you have bought into the underdog complex and you will continue to spin your head in circles trying to get out trying to figure it out trying to say the magical thing to get somebody to come with you no this is corruption this is manipulation this is control. When you trust yourself and you see your shit, when you see the way you manipulate yourself, there is no manipulative sales. It just is. I sell with transparency. I give you the numbers. I tell you what's up. I don't try to convince you. I might ask you some clarifying questions to help me process and see where you're at. But I'm not dragging you to come with me. That's your decision. And in no way, shape or form am I better than you. In no way, shape or form am I, a, am I more superior to you just because I might be on a different part of the journey than you. It doesn't mean necessarily that I'm further along, although we could argue that. It means that I trust myself. It means that I believe in myself. It means that I know where the fuck I belong and where I don't belong. It means that I recognize the old paradigms of love and I am not plugged into codependent patterns. That's what it means. The next shadowy side, the next shadowy area kind of goes along with what I was telling you about with the maid. Now, the reason why 
I was so emotional about this particular show is because this woman stood in her ferocity. Left and right, front and center, she could have chosen to play the underdog card. But over and over again, she didn't. There are so many mothers who stay in really fucked up situations, teaching their children how to walk on eggshells instead of teaching their children how to be in their power, how to get up off the floor and walk out of that door even if they have no money and nothing on their back. There's a complete difference than someone teaching your children how to walk around so somebody doesn't get pissed off. So somebody isn't, what's the O word? Offended by your power. Then someone who stands in their power and they recognize in nature that a mother duck leads their ducklings. And if I don't walk my ass out of here, no matter fucking what, then I am not only imprisoning myself, but my own children. This is what the underdog effect does. When we focus on our weaknesses, we become a weak society. And if you can't tell by now, I'm not about that. This is sacred rage. That mother had to draw the line in the sand. She left before he took, her, he took his hands on her. He took his hands and punched the wall next to her. And she left. She didn't wait around to see if he was going to hit her. She didn't wait around and say, oh, well, you know, he drank too much. He might get better tomorrow. No, she said, I'm fucking out of here. I'm out of here. I don't belong here. This is about knowing where you belong. That gets into a little bit of the next phase, which is the discovery phase. And in the discovery phase, you got to know who you are. You got to know who you are and where you belong and where you've overstayed your welcome and where it's time to go, even if it's not that bad. So here are the questions that I want you to ask yourself. I had to write these down so I'd remember. I want you to just process this as you're... <laughs> as your head and your body is trying to, some of you are going to know that this is truth. Some of you are just going to know. Some of you have been down the journey on this mystic path for a while now. You, you recognize the truth. Some of you are not quite convinced. You might even be triggered by it. Some of you are going to be thinking, uh, I don't want to let go of my underdog. I don't want to take off the cozy robe and i want you to ask yourself these questions 
Is someone accountable for their disadvantage? Is someone accountable for their lack of power? Is someone accountable for their lack of, for their failures? Is someone accountable for their mistakes? Or is this an automatic pass? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then we have a real problem. And the real problem is what you're still plugged into. Because like I said a minute ago, if we continue to focus on people's weaknesses, why they're so disadvantaged, when they are a powerful freaking human just having a, a certain label, then we are creating a weak ass society. We are not following the path of divine truth and purity. The path of the mystic is ferocity. It's not about being nice. Nice is manipulation. Nice is how Jeffrey Dahmer got 17 men and boys down into his basement and ate them. Nice is manipulation. Kind is compassionate. It is forgiving to those who truly are in a particular circumstance or in a particular experience that has caused them to be victim to something. And we all have an underdog story in us. But it's a matter of how willing you are to let go of that status. To look at yourself in the mirror and know, like you know, like you know, that you are a powerful woman. That's what matters. So I'm going to quickly tell you the last steps of the process. The next step is discover, which I alluded to. This is where you discover who you are now. So what happens is if you call bullshit on your bullshit, in the inquiry process, we ask, where is the lie in me? What am I still lying about? I couldn't pull the widow card. I was lying. I was great. You compare me to someone else, there's a no, I'm not going to pull the widow card. Why? Because I believe in my power. I knew where I belonged. When you accomplish that step, you get to that next level, which is discovering who you are now. You have to become literally somebody different in order to move across the journey of ascension. You have to become somebody different to walk a mystic path. It is a mystery. But what is not a mystery is who you decide to be, who you need to be in order to move down the path. There's a book, The Art of Acting. I've never read the book. <laughs> I'm one of these people 
Actually, I had a reading the other day in a master class that I was in, and she was a psychic, um, was able to intuitively read into me, and she said, the first thing she said was like, okay, Jody, you're, you're the kind of person who knows a lot. Like, if there's anyone in the industry that I would have a question for about anything in the industry, I would go to you. You can literally take a program and go reteach it because you just know it. You just know shit. So I have a lot of books. <laughs> I've read a few of them. But I'm the kind of person I, I did just find out that there are other people like me where if I have a book, for example... I have the power of the super mind. See how crisp it is? Never been read. But if I hold this book, I will get the transmission. And sometimes I'll just need to like open it up and then like I know it. <laughs> it sounds kind of funny, but that is the deal. So there's this book called The Art of Acting. It's by Stella Adler, The Art of Acting. So the art of acting is actually an acting book. It teaches you how to become the character in the movie. And this is all we're doing, you guys. Like this is a movie that we're playing. You are the starring role. You get to create whatever movie you want to. When I was still in the hospital room after my husband passed away, that is a transmission that I got the download for. The movie is in front of me. All I have to do is step into that. Who do you need to be? Who's your character that you're playing? Step in, Jody. Let the underdog, let the bullshit fall off of you. And it did. It just fell off of me. That night I slept for the first time and I don't know how long. Didn't make logical sense because something just happened in my life that was the worst possible thing that I could think of other than my children. There is so much complexity to the loss of a spouse. I don't even have time to go into that. So much complexity in that. But I had to choose who I was going to be, choose what story I'm playing. I decided this is going to be the best fucking story that this soul has ever told in the whole history of ever. And I'm still working on it. I'm still a work in progress. Cause guess what? I'm still a living, breathing human being. So what happens is we claim this new identity and then the next step comes in. So we're, we're starting to embody this new identity. Our body is starting to literally morph into this character just like you see the actors in movies. They literally become who they are portraying in the movie. That is what it's like. And if you're not paying attention, and this is why coaches are so fucking important, because if you don't understand this process and you're not paying attention really fucking well, you will go back to your old identity because the next phase that comes in is amnesia. You will forget who the fuck you are now. And you'll go back to your old identity before you even know it. It is amnesia. I, I, don't, I don't remember even what I was doing. I don't remember my dream. Trust me, I've done this so many times through my evolutionary manifesting process. When I was manifesting my husband, now, my now husband, 
wait, what was I, what, why, what did I want? I had to write it down over and over and over again to get it in my head. Now, if you remember and you invoke that in, I did a masterclass recently called Entice. And the program after that was invoke. You're invoking that new identity in. You're locking it in. When you lock her in and you stand in your power and you know what you are and you know where you belong and where you don't belong anymore. This is who we are now. This is who we are now. Now what happens is the celebration. All of the sudden, it seems, there it is. The baby is delivered. The goal that you set is obtained. The man that you've desired is sitting right next to you. Now we have a celebration. This is the high. I call this phase the high. And we're on a high. And it feels good. And if we don't lock that in, we go right back to our old identity because it's really sneaky. The WPP, the Witness Protection Program, will come in and sweep you right back and tell you all these nasty things about you. Oh, you're not going to be able to hold this. Oh, you're not going to be able to keep this. Oh, who do you think you are? You're a bad person. You're a bad person. Who do you think you are with all of this money? You don't need this. Of course I don't need this because I'm on a different part of my journey. I'm on the part of my journey where is fucking overflow. Of course I don't need this. I'm not in survival anymore. I'm in vitality. So after the high, that, that phase that I'm talking about now is the buzzkill. The witness protection program comes in, sweeps you back. It's a buzzkill. Whatever your mind will tell you, and sometimes it says some really stupid shit. So after Matt, some of you have heard this story, but after Matt came into my life, it was like within maybe the first week, he was like everything that I had continued to write down over and over and over again to remind myself that this is where I am now, that this is what I desire, and this is what I'm after, okay? I heard my WPP tell me he's not the one because he has a leg tattoo. And because he has a leg tattoo, Jody, he can't hike, so he's not your person. <laughs> I'm like, really? At first I did believe, I'm like, oh, you're right, you're right. And then I'm like, really? That's all you got? The moment you allow a seed of doubt in, you've screwed yourself. You're in the buzzkill. After the buzzkill, when that seed of doubt comes in and you hear the witness protection program bullshit stories, he's got a leg tattoo, oh, he can't hike, game over. You gotta, you gotta draw the line in the sand with that sacred rage. Nope, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I am not in your protective program anymore. I am a woman and I can handle whatever comes up ahead. And if he doesn't hike, he doesn't hike. <laughs> Guess what? Crazy thing about that story. I just told this to somebody not too long ago. Crazy thing about that story is 
he already had a trip planned. We met in uh, April. He already had a trip planned for July in Colorado, going to a concert at Red Rocks, okay? So what do we do in Colorado? We hike. Hadn't met me yet. I come into his world. The WPP tries to stop me and tell me he can't hike. He's got a leg tattoo. He already has his trip planned. June comes around. He says, hey, I'm going to a concert next week at Red Rocks. Do you want to come? Here's what we have to do. We have to call bullshit and we have to dream bigger. So the final step is potentiality step. This is where you decide you have a miracle mind and a vital body. And anyone that you come in contact with does too because you speak into their greatness. You bring more vitality to the room when you walk in. Holla! <laughs> so those are the five steps. I don't care what you're doing in your life right now. You have something to say. You have something to offer into this lifetime. You are a piece of the puzzle. And if there's any shame still residing in you and hanging out in undercover, we need it up and out. Those of you who come into my containers, the moment you pay, you step into that frequency, whether or not we start at the point that you pay or not. <laughs> That's what we do. All right, loves, if you have any feedback, if you have any questions, if you have any ahas, I'd love to hear from you. It brings me fire. Here, here's the thing. So we tend to believe that people who feel, who feel in their power don't need us. Remember, it's not about that. It's about seeing someone in their greatness. Now I compliment, I like, I heart for all the people, whether they are in underdog, I don't feel sorry. I don't feel sorry because I know that there's greatness on the other side. All right, I got a date night with my love. He's taking me to dinner and a concert. He didn't tell me what concert we're going to. So we shall see. Much love.